The following message is by Pastor Jason Polly. More information from Harmony Bible Church is available at facebook.com backslash Harmony Bible Church. But it is great to be back. This is our 11th and final week in the book of 2 Peter. And as we draw this uh, chapter of church life uh, to close today, I pray that you've been as blessed and challenged by it as I have over the last several months. Starting next week, we're going to begin a four-week journey through the book of Haggai. And I want to issue a challenge for all of us to be preparing our hearts by reading through and praying and reflecting on that book each and every day. It's a a fairly short book. Uh, It's only two chapters long, so I would encourage you to add that to your regular devotion schedule and just read through the entire book every single day starting this week and going through the entire month of November. And I believe that as we do that, God will continue to bless us by letting, as we let it permeate our lives, as we let it soak into our lives, and then we begin to apply it together, both individually and corporately. So now getting back to the book of 2 Peter, before we begin our text this morning, I just want to pray and then I want to do a, just a brief overview of the content of 2 Peter. Let's pray. Father God, thank You for today. Thank You for Your grace. God, I thank You for the opportunity to be here in Your house to worship You. God, I pray and ask that You'd be with us now, that You would allow us to worship You in spirit and in truth. God, I just pray for the churches that are meeting up and down the coast and around the world today. I pray that they too would worship You in spirit and in truth. That Your Gospel would be proclaimed God, we look at the world around us and we see a broken and fallen world with so much that is wrong. And we know that the answer is Your Gospel. We know that You are the answer to the world's problems. God, let us not hold in that answer, but proclaim it to to the world. God, let us lift up that answer, Your Gospel today, so that we might live in light of it. God, I just pray and ask that You'd work mightily in our hearts and in our minds. Help us to apply Your Word, not just as we sit here in this building, but as we leave here and continue our lives each and every day. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So I want to do again a brief overview or a broad overview of the content of 2 Peter. In chapter 1, Peter encouraged his readers to be firmly rooted in the truth of the Gospel. Remember, he told them to make sure that they were saved, that they were truly saved, that they had a genuine faith in the true Gospel of Christ. Not some cleverly devised tale, he said, but instead the true Gospel. And he told them that growing in Christ-like character would be the evidence of such faith. And then in chapter 2, the focus shifted to a warning about false teachers who were motivated by pride and material gain and sexual sin. And thus, they were trying to exploit the church. And Peter said that these false teachers were empty vessels making empty promises and that they were facing an empty future. One where they would remain enslaved to their sin and kept under punishment for the day of judgment. And then in chapter 3, Peter again shifts back to encouraging believers. He moves away from the warning against false teachers and shifts to encouraging believers in the way they should live. So we see this kind of 
uh, transition where we see encouraging, followed by warning, followed by encouragement again. In chapter 3, he encourages, encourages us to not be like the mockers who follow their own desires and deny Christ's return, but instead, he says, regard the truth of God's timing, regard the truth of God's patience, and regard the truth of God's decisiveness. And do all this while you're living holy lives, expecting the Lord to return. So in looking at the overall content of the book, we see chapters 1 and 3 serving as positive reinforcement for being firmly rooted in the truth and persevering in our walk with the Lord. And we see chapter 2, sandwiched in the middle of the two, serving as negative reinforcement, warning us of the dangers of falling away from the truth. And it's important that we remember that as we look at today's text. So with that very brief overview of the content of the book of 2 Peter, let's look at our text for this morning. 2 Peter 3, verses 14 through 18. If you'll stand for the reading of God's Word. 2 Peter 3, verses 14 through 18. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by Him in peace, spotless and blameless, And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the Scriptures to their own destruction. You therefore, beloved, Knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Father, we pray that You add a blessing to the reading, the hearing, and the applying of Your Word. Amen. You may be seated. The first point in your sermon outline is be diligent. We're going to jump right in. The first point is be diligent. Peter says, Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, since you know that the day of the Lord is coming, and since you know that the earth and all of its works will be burned up, since you look for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells, since you're looking for these things, be diligent to be found by Him in peace, spotless and blameless, and regard His patience as salvation. The word diligent carries with it the idea of making every effort to do something. It's the same word we saw at the beginning of 2 Peter in verses Uh, Verse 110 where he said, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about His calling and choosing you. Make sure you're saved, he said. For as long as you practice these things, you continue to be diligent, you practice these things, you will never stumble. He says it again in 2 Peter 1.15. He said, and I will also, so he said in 1.10, he said, you be diligent. Work hard at this. Make every effort to do this. And then in 15, he says, And I also will be diligent. 
I'll work hard that at any time after my departure, after I'm gone, you will be able to call these things to mind. So he says, you work hard at growing, at being diligent, at growing in your faith, and I'm going to work hard at reminding you of God's promises and the Gospel. If there was ever a message for this church, that's what it is. And that's my message to you, is be diligent. Be diligent to be growing in your faith. And I will be diligent to remind you of the Gospel. And I pray that you encourage me to be diligent in growing in my faith. And that you too are diligent in reminding me of the Gospel. See, Peter wants us to make every effort to work hard at being found living a life that is pleasing to Christ when He returns. And this is a lifelong battle. It's something we must continue to do. It doesn't end. It's not like we get to a point in our lives where we say, well, I've done my part. And I've heard this before. I've heard some in the church say, I've, I've spent my years of serving. Or I've done my part. Or I've done what I need to do. Now it's somebody else's turn. No. We need to be diligent. We need to be diligent in our own lives. We need to be diligent in the church. We need to continue to work hard. And we must be diligent in reminding each other of the Gospel. See, Peter wants us to work hard at being found by Christ. Honoring Him when He returns. And what does such a life look like? Well, first Peter says, be diligent to be found by Him in peace. He says, be diligent to be found by Him in peace. The peace that Peter is speaking of here is inner tranquility. And that's the the word uh, peace here simply means that. Inner tranquility. And it comes from knowing that God is in control and that He's orchestrating His plan. You see, it's easy to look at the world around us and get anxious. It's easy to turn on the evening news and hear of the trouble in Syria or the recent shooting in Ottawa or this morning I heard the situation going on in Israel and people being restricted from going to Jerusalem. And you think, what is going on? What is going on in this world? And as this world moves further and further away from biblical values and this country moves further and further away from biblical values, it's, be, it's easy to see these things and begin to worry. Or to bring this even closer to home, just the daily struggles of life can bring discouragement and worry. Whether it's difficulty in our relationships with others, whether it's situations at work, whether it's health concerns, Every Tuesday night we talk about those who are sick, those who have cancer, and we bring those up. And those things can begin to create worry inside of us. Or financial struggles. Or maybe even situations here at Harmony that cause us to worry. You think, you know, that new pastor, he seems like a nice guy, but I just don't know if this is working out. Whatever the case may be, it's easy to find ourselves in a place where We're lacking peace. And yet Peter says, be diligent. Work hard to be found by Him in peace. We don't know when He's coming back, but when He comes back, Peter says, be diligent so that when He comes back, you are found to be in peace. Knowing that He's coming back to fix that which is broken. 
to reign and to rule in righteousness. You see, Peter wants us to live in light of Philippians 4, 6-7. Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And when you do that, he says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, we don't need to live in fear. For Jesus Himself even said, these things I have spoken to you. He was talking about His second coming. He said, these things I have spoken to you so that in Me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take courage. I've overcome the world. And that's the way Peter wants us to live. He wants us to live with courage knowing that we have been forgiven and that Christ has overcome the world and that He's coming back to make things right. Trusting in His plan, not ours. So when we turn on the news and we see all the troubles going on in the world, we say, come Lord Jesus! For we believe, we trust that You are indeed coming back and You will fix that which is broken. Second, Peter says, be diligent to be found by Him spotless and blameless. So first he says, be, be diligent to be found in peace when He comes back. And then he says, be diligent to be found by Him spotless and blameless. This should cause us immediately to think back to 2 Peter 2.13. If we think back to 2 Peter 2.13, we remember that Peter called these false teachers stains, and blemishes. So Peter is showing us that we are to be spotless. Just the opposite. Spotless and blameless. Christians are to be the exact opposite of what these false teachers are. The term spotless and blameless mirror what we saw last week in verse 11. That God's people are to be known by their holy conduct and their godliness. See, the idea of being spotless means without wrinkle, or blemish. Being without fault. And blameless is, conveys the idea of, of having a good reputation. So we're to be without fault on the inside, and we're to have a good reputation on the outside. In other words, Peter is telling us to be diligent, to work hard at living holy lives as we await Christ's return. And this is exactly how Peter began this letter. It's exactly He began this letter with a charge to grow in godliness. Remember in 2 Peter 1, verses 5-8, through 8, he said this, he said, Now for this very reason, apply all diligence, again, the same word, work hard at this. Apply all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness and in your brotherly kindness love and then he said for if these qualities are yours and are increasing they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of Jesus Christ the implication being that if these qualities are not yours and they're not increasing then you're rendered useless and unfruitful that you don't really know Jesus 
In other words, genuine believers, those with true knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, grow. That's what believers do. Peter's saying that growing in godliness is the necessary evidence of genuine faith. Therefore, assurance that one's faith is genuine comes to those who grow in godliness. He says, if you're growing in godliness, that's the assurance that you are truly saved. Now, I want to be careful here. Don't hear the words spotless and blameless and think that you must be perfect. The Scriptures clearly say that there is none righteous. No, not one. Even our good deeds are but filthy rags, Scripture says. Scripture says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You see, like our first parents, Adam and Eve, we too have sinned against a holy God. And the wages of that sin is death. It's separation from God in a place of eternal torment called hell. However, there's good news. The good news that God Himself took on human form in the person of Jesus Christ. He came to earth. He lived a sinless life. And He died on the cross taking the punishment that we deserved for our sin. And then three days later, the the greatest news of all, three days later, He rose from the dead, defeating death and sin so that all who call on Him as their Lord and Savior can be forgiven and live an eternal life with Him in heaven. So Peter's point is not that we must be perfect. Peter's point is that those who have placed their trust in Jesus Christ have been declared righteous. We've been declared spotless and blameless. We've been forgiven. And thus, the natural response and necessary evidence of such forgiveness is growth. You see, the Christian life is one of being diligent, always working toward being found by Him spotless and blameless. We don't achieve it. We never achieve it. But we grow in it. We grow in it. We become more and more holy each day as God works in us. We don't live holy lives so that we can be forgiven. Please do not hear that I'm saying you must live a holy life. You must be growing in spotlessness so that you can be forgiven. That's not Christianity. That's that's another religion all together. Christianity says we live holy lives because we have been forgiven. You see, Christ's death on the cross motivates us to live for Him. And then lastly, Peter says, with regard to being diligent, he says, be diligent to regard His patience as salvation. Again, the contrast here is with the false teachers. These false teachers who, as you remember from verse 4, he says, they deny the return of Christ. They said, where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was since the beginning of creation. See, the false teachers were saying, Jesus isn't coming back. Everything is the same. It's been the same For the last 30 some odd years, 
And it's going to continue to be the same. It's been the last beyond the last since the beginning of creation. Nothing has changed. But Peter told us, he said, remember, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but he's patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. The word perish is that of eternal destruction. He says, Peter is saying, God desires all men to experience repentance that leads to eternal life. A repentance of sin and a trust in the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross. In 1 Timothy 2.4, Paul says that God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So while we know that Jesus has not yet come back, we know that it's because of God's patience. That God is still calling a people to Himself. And I pray that if you are here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Scripture says today is the day of salvation. The Lord is patient. He desires for you to turn your life over to Him. It's not about walking an aisle. It's not about saying a prayer or raising a hand. Those things are mere indications of an inner decision that has been made. Instead, there's a decision to say, I'm a sinner, and I recognize that I am a sinner, and I need a Savior. And that Savior can only be Jesus, the only perfect One who ever lived and died for me. And I receive Jesus. And I would encourage you all to do that if you have not done that already. See, because God and His patience is giving people a chance to repent And yet these false teachers, they were saying, look around. It's been 30 years. 30 or 40 years since Jesus said He was coming back. And now today, it's been 2,000 years. How much more for the false teachers to say, everything's the same. Nothing's changed. Nothing has changed since the beginning of creation. There's not a coming day of judgment. And in so doing, Paul in Romans 2 says, they're storing up wrath for themselves. You see the irony of what they're doing? of what false teachers are doing. They're saying, God's not coming back. God's patient. He's waiting for them to repent. And they're throwing God's patience back at Him and saying, He's not even coming back. Look, it's been like forever. And God's sitting back patiently saying, come to Me. Repent. Don't find yourself in that same position where you're throwing God's patience back at Him and using it to accuse Him of not coming back. Listen to Romans 2, verses 4-5. through Do you think lightly of the riches of His kindness and tolerance and patience? Do you think lightly of His patience and kindness and tolerance and patience? Not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Peter's taking this warning seriously. Peter doesn't want us to be like the false teachers who deny a coming day of judgment. But instead, he wants us to recognize that the day of the Lord has not yet come because God is patient. Therefore, as believers, and most of us here have probably placed our trust in Jesus Christ. We've done that. That's why we're here. 
as believers, we should not mourn over His delay. We should not mourn over Christ's delay, but instead we should rejoice in it. While on some level we say, come Lord Jesus, we turn on the news, we, we see our family and our friends hurting, and we say, come Lord Jesus, come. At the same time, we praise God knowing that He's not done calling people to repentance. That there are more people to come to a place of knowing Him. Peter says, don't be discouraged by what appears to be slowness. Be encouraged, for God's timing is perfect. And you still have work to do in sharing the Gospel. Therefore, he says, be diligent. Be diligent to regard His patience as salvation. Knowing that each day that passes provides us with more opportunities to point others to His saving grace. Each day that Christ delays is another opportunity for you to share the Gospel. And long for the return of Jesus Christ. But don't long for it in such a way that you squander, that you miss the opportunities to share the Gospel with those around you. So Peter's told us to be diligent. He says, be diligent to be found by Him in peace with a heart that's at peace with God. A heart that's at peace with His plan. Be diligent to be found by Him spotless and blameless. And be diligent to regard His patience as salvation, making the most of every day. So as we move into the rest of our text this morning, we should notice that in closing out this letter, and Bill's already laughing at me because it's been 25 minutes and I've gotten through the first, not even the first point. Uh, But as we move into the rest of our text this morning, we should notice that in closing out this letter, Peter not only provides a bit of a summary of his overall content, but it also mirrors the structure of the letter. The section we just looked at, just like chapter 1, encourages us to be diligent to persevere in the faith. And if nothing else, if you walk away and you think, I sat through 10, 11 weeks of 2 Peter, and I don't have a clue what 2 Peter's talking about, then remember this. Be diligent. Persevere. Be diligent in the faith. And then, verses 15 and 16 Here, 15b and 16, like chapter 2, warn us of the error of false teachers. He says, look at uh, 2 Peter 3, 15b through 16. He says, just as our beloved Paul, so he says, be diligent to be found this way, just as our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which some things are hard to understand which the untaught and unstable distort as they do also the rest of the Scriptures to their own destruction. This is a message in and of itself, but we're going to skip over that and just, just glean over that really quickly. Peter reminds his readers and ultimately us that he's not alone in issuing this call to continue steadfast in the faith. That others have issued this call. And by way of warning, he says, don't be like the false teachers who don't remain steadfast. He says, because Paul has proclaimed the same message and it's consistent with all of Scripture. Remain steadfast in the faith until the very end. Consider what Paul said in Ephesians 6.13. He said, Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. 
Or Philippians 4.1, Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and my crown, in this way, stand firm in the Lord. Or Galatians 6, 7-9, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Persevere. Or consider the words of Jesus in Mark 13, 13. You will be hated by all because of my name, but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. See, Peter is reminding his readers to remain strong in the faith and not be like the false teachers who bring destruction upon themselves by following their desires and distorting Scripture. So let's look at verses 17 through 18. 2 Peter 3, verses 17 through 18, our last two verses of the book of 2 Peter. Peter says, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. To hear, just like in the beginning of chapter Uh, The beginning of chapter 3, Peter's focus shifts back to encouraging his audience how to live. It brings us to the second point of our outline. The first point was be diligent. And the second point is be on guard. So he says, be diligent. And then he sandwiches in this warning. Don't be like the false teachers who aren't diligent. And then he says, number two, be on guard. You see, Peter understands that the threat these false teachers pose to the church He understands that they're threatening the church and therefore he wants his readers to be on guard against their lies. Remember just a few weeks ago, we saw this progression in false teachers. He said they follow their own desire and when they do, it leads to to a denial of the truth. And it leads to their disregard for God and His warnings. And we must be careful. We must be careful that that when when I go to lunch... And I eat, and I'm not hungry, and I have a desire for another piece of meatloaf. And I say, surely God didn't say that gluttony is a sin, right? I have a desire, and that desire causes me to deny the truth. And when I continue in denying the truth, ultimately it means a disregard for God and His warnings. And maybe that's a light-hearted, joking example, but it's real. It's real, and that's how sin progresses in our lives. Today, it's a piece of meatloaf. right? Tomorrow, it's my relationship with my wife. We must be careful to not follow our own desire and then deny the truth and ultimately come to a place where we disregard God's warnings. So Peter warns us to be careful not to fall in that progression. He says, be on your guard so that you're not carried away, so that you're not overcome by your desire. So when I go downstairs, I must be on my guard against that second piece of meatloaf. Right? Be on your guard so that you're not carried away by the error of unprincipled, morally corrupt men. (laughs) Like Bill says, go ahead, have another piece of meatloaf. 
morally corrupt men who deny the truth. And then he says, and fall away from your own steadfastness. Be on your guard so you're not carried away by the error of unprincipled men. And fall from your own steadfastness. Come to a place where you disregard what God has clearly said. All right, people don't typically wake up one day and say, you know, I think I want to be a false teacher today. Instead, they're carried away by their own lust and they create doctrine that fits their desires. But as Christians, we're called to let our doctrine determine our behavior. We're called to let the truth of God's Word shape our lifestyle. And that's why so much of this letter is focused on behavior and not just doctrine. Peter says, be on your guard. Be careful not to listen to the error of morally corrupt men and find yourself being carried away by their fleshly fleshly desires. Instead, Peter says, verse 18, he says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter ends with a reiteration of what he said when he began. Look at 2 Peter 1-2. He says this. In 2 Peter 1-2, where we started this whole sermon series, he says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Little different wording, but the same idea. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter wants us to know that the way we are to stand firm, the way we are to guard ourselves is to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. So does Peter mean that we need grace in order to grow in knowledge? Or does he mean that we grow in knowledge the more we receive grace? And the answer is yes. Right? Does Peter mean that we need, we need to have grace in order to grow in knowledge? Or does he mean that we grow in knowledge as we receive grace? And the answer is both. See, the two, grace and knowledge, are bound together. That's why... Philippians 2, 12-13, Paul says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who, who is at work in you. He says, work it out, because God's working in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. See, there's this idea of effort and grace. We need grace to extend the effort, and as we extend the effort, we receive more grace. It's a beautiful plan, folks. I can't think of a better deal. God says, You need to exert effort. And the only way you're going to exert effort is if you come to me for grace. And when you receive my grace and then you exert effort, I'm going to give you more grace. That's the message of the Bible. So don't take away from this message. You need to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. That's not the message. The message is you need grace. The growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ goes far beyond intellectual knowledge. He's talking about knowing Jesus, growing in a relationship with Him. He's talking about becoming more like Jesus every day by communicating with Him in prayer, by spending time with Him in His Word, by living in community with people of faith, by worshiping Him daily, by honoring Him with our lives. And he says, and it's only by grace that you can do these things. See, we grow by God's grace. So we need to pray for more grace. And as we receive that grace, we grow and then we become recipients of grace. What's truly amazing is that as we grow, grace just abounds more and more in our lives. So let's do a bit of review. We're finally there. The last page of the notes, the review section, and i got three minutes left. Peter says, Be diligent! 
Be diligent to be found by Him in peace. Be diligent to be found by Him spotless and blameless. And be diligent to regard His patience as salvation. Every day that the Lord delays in coming back is a day for you to point others to His grace and His Gospel. And then He says, be on guard. Be on guard against the lies of false teachers who follow their desire, who disregard God's truth. But instead, He says, grow. Grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. So how do we apply all of this to our lives here at Harmony Bible Church? Well, we need to be diligent. We need to be diligent. I don't care if you're 8 or 80, you need to be diligent. We need to be diligent to be found by Him in peace. That when trouble comes, we need to encourage one another. We need to continue to remind each other of the Gospel and God's promises. Remind each other of God's faithfulness. So that when Jesus comes back, Jesus can say, that Harmony Bible Church, they were found in peace. That's the example of peace. They knew I was coming back. And they weren't worried about what was going on in the world. They trusted in Me. Be diligent to be found by Him in peace. Be diligent to be found by Him spotless and blameless. We must help each other grow. We must hold each other accountable. We're to grow in that godliness, knowing we're never going to achieve it. We're never going to be perfect. I'll continue to have rough edges. But it's my prayer that you help me shave them off. Help me become more like Jesus. And I'll help you to become more like Jesus as well. And then he says, be diligent. We need to be diligent to regard His patience as salvation. We need to pray for the lost. We need to be serious about this, folks. We need to be serious about reaching this community. If we really believe that Jesus has delayed and that there's people in this community who need Jesus, we need to be praying for them. We need to be sharing our faith with them. We need to be leaning over the fence and telling our neighbors about Jesus. I'm not a big event guy. I'm not a guy who says we need to orchestrate all these events, these outreach events. I like outreach events, but they don't do the work of the ministry. If all you ever do is organize an event for people to come and have me preach the gospel to them, that's not the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is when Bill Batty goes home and he mows his lawn and his neighbor's standing there, he talks to his neighbor about the gospel and who Jesus is. It's when Tracy goes to work and she says, let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life. It's when we live in such a way that we're sharing the gospel, we're regarding His patience as salvation, knowing that there's still time for people to come to know Him. And then be on guard. We need to be on guard against the lies of false teachers who disregard God's truth. They follow their desire. They they disregard God's truth. Instead, we need to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. We need to be instruments of grace in each other's lives. We need to pray for grace. You need to pray for me that I would receive the grace to continue to grow to become more like Christ. I need to pray for you that you would receive the grace that you need to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So we need to be diligent and we need to be on guard. Let's commit to doing that for each other. Let's pray. Father God, thank You today for giving us this opportunity. God, we know that Your Word 
is sharper than any sword. That it cuts us open and leaves us laid bare before You. God, see our hearts. Give us a heart that desires to honor You. God, help us to heed the warnings of 2 Peter. To hear the encouragement of 2 Peter. To grow in grace. To stand firm. To grow in godliness. And the warnings to be careful of those who don't. And then once again, the encouragements to continue to grow every day as we see the day, the return of Jesus Christ approaching. God, be with us now. Give us the grace to do that which we cannot do on our own. We pray all these things in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Jason Polly pastor of Harmony Bible Church in South Thomaston, Maine. Feel free to share this message with others, and we invite you to connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Harmony Bible Church. God bless you, and to God be the glory.